Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. It's that music again and that voice, and that only means that it's time for Guys of a Certain Age. It's Jay Reed here in the studio with mm, crickets. Uh, Art Shirley and Robbie Koblenz are not here today. They are doing their day jobs, whatever that is. Um, but I'm not completely by myself. Today it's my turn to fly solo, and I have a guest in the studio with me by the name of TJ Mana. Welcome, TJ. Hello. Thank you. TJ will tell us a little bit more about her backstory in a little bit, but just real quickly, TJ is a baker, and we'll talk also about that title and, and whether she likes that or not, but um, today we're going to talk about baking because I'm a food nerd or a food geek, and TJ, thanks for coming today. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thank you, yeah. And one of the things that we started out with when we started this podcast was to define what is a geek and what is a nerd, and here's what we came up with. This came off of BigThink.com. Uh, A geek is an enthusiast of a particular topic or field. Geeks are collection-oriented, gathering facts and mementos related to their subject of interest, obsessed with the newest, coolest, trendiest things that their subject has to offer. Okay, so that's the geek. The nerd is a studious intellectual, although, again, of a particular topic or field. Nerds are achievement-oriented and focus their efforts on acquiring knowledge and skill over trivia and memorabilia. So then another website comes in, Slack Propagation, and says, and this is where I think we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty here, both are dedicated to their subjects. The distinction is that geeks are fans of their subjects, and nerds are practitioners of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when it comes to baking, I'm going to put it out there, and you tell me what you think. I'm a geek. You're a nerd. <laughs> that sounds right. I love the idea of being able to bake, mm-hmm. and I own way too many cookbooks for a normal person. Right. But I stink at it. You, on the other hand, are, and, and, and I want to ask you, are you a master baker? Are you a pastry chef, a pastry cook? Do you have a preference? Is there a difference? Um, th- there is a difference. Um, I-, I would say reading the definitions of all of these things, I would say master baker I would fit under. Okay. But I have a real hard time calling myself <laughs> A master, anything. So, um, because constantly learning, or what? Would um, be the reason? Yeah, I mean that's one of them for sure. I am constantly learning, and that's what I love about baking is that it's never ending. Um, but is it something you can get a certification in to be a master sure. baker? Is that um, a thing? It's it's not required, right? Of course. Um, but but sure, um, that that can be a part of it, although not a part of how I became a baker. Okay. Um, I did not go to school for any kind of culinary anything. <laughs> um, my school was my experience and my travels, okay. and and um, you know I can tell you a bit about that. So very exciting. Um, although it came very naturally and organically, it wasn't something that I thought I wanted to do and set out and did it. It just fell into my lap. So. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about that. How did you? Sure. How did you get to where you are now? And right now, and you'll just say you're you're the baker or the master baker or whatever <laughs> at Proof Baker here in Starville, Mississippi. Yes. yes. You've you've worked at a few other places, and we may talk about that later. But okay. what? What got you to where you are now? Yeah, um, so I've traveled most of my life since I was about 14 years old. I've been everywhere in the U.S., a little bit in Europe, um, Mexico, Canada. Um, 
So, but mainly the U.S., I would say. And within those travels, I've always had to eat. Of course. So, um, realizing very quickly that I love different types of food and what went into that food. Not just, oh, this tastes good, but what what is this? Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So... Um, I also realized very quickly, I kind of would say I raised myself, so I had to survive Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, So sometimes I did eat just whatever was there, but other times um, from the people that I was around, um, you know, they taught me a lot about food elsewhere and what food is and could be. And so... Health is a big thing. Okay. Um, I want to eat things that have quality ingredients. And I knew that early on because I was very in tune, I think, with my body in that sense of how food made me feel. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, as time went on, I just really gathered um, a really strong sense of what was good for me and what wasn't. Um, and in that led me to things that tasted better because of quality ingredients. Right. I don't think we think about that. I don't think, I don't think in the U.S. Right. Right. And which also, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but it leads into um, maybe why there aren't so many bakeries here in the U.S. Um, And, and well, I'll I'll get into that a little bit more later, but, and why Europe has so many great bakeries. Um, But so I think that it's pretty simple. Um, stay hydrated um, and don't eat chemicals. <laughs> eat food instead, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, what does that mean for me? That means um, no artificial ingredients, no preservatives. Um, and, and we have these things, I think, in the U.S. because we live a fast-paced life sure. filled of consuming. Um, you know, when we want things to happen fast, that also means losing weight fast um you know we we everything's just in abundance it's not much of a moderation lifestyle and i think it's important to have moderation and balance um so so that means a lot to me and so it it comes to the point now where i am in a kitchen most of my life most of my jobs were in a kitchen um, which led to me baking, but it was usually just cooking. Um, so all kinds of cooking in the beginning. Oh yeah, no, no baking actually at all for okay. a while. And then baking came later, but um, so yeah, so I actually thought that I didn't want to be a baker. I thought that baking was a whole other thing, like like a scientist type job. Um, Which there are definitely links. Sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. But, you know, for a while for me, it was just taking really great things and throwing it in a pan and sauteing it and Uh coming up with this not measuring, you know, and and um, having to be so precise. So um, I, I actually moved here to Starkville about seven years ago, and that's where I really started to get into baking. Um, I worked at a, a local bakery here that um, that had his the owner was Troy and I don't know he he did great bread and he was inspiring to me 
And that's um, where I first met you. I, I didn't realize yeah. that you had just come at that point, but that's I remember seeing you in the, in that bakery. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So he's a great guy, great baker. Um, and it was just him and I a lot of the time. So we kind of got to experiment and, and play around with different things. And I just realized rather quickly that I loved to bake. And we were the beneficiaries of that. I was for That's sure right. a beneficiary of that. Yeah, and, and that was a part of it, seeing people's reactions to what I was doing. Um, and, you know, it was it was interesting because I have this kind of thing. I wouldn't really call it a conscience, but I just, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's art, baking, cooking, dressing myself, I have to do what everybody else is not doing. Um, I, I don't like to go with what everyone's doing. I, I have to be different. So every recipe I came across, because you got to start somewhere, right? I had to change it. I had to, to mess with it and make it my own. So That's so me. All those dozens of cookbooks that I have yes. are, are more a starting point than a finishing point. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I was asked before, um, what's my favorite cookbook? Do I have a go-to? I really don't. Um, there's lots that inspires me, and, and I'll look through pictures, really, is, is what I'm looking for. Um, and then when I have an idea in my head, I will look for a recipe and go off of that. But I think I have enough experience at this point that I can I can alter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think you, I think you do have to have experience with baking in order to do that. Um, so, so yeah, so it was so fun. My creative skills were able to come out. Um, my finished product was, I thought beautiful. Um, and then when you see the people eat what you make and enjoy it so much, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really something. So, yeah. Okay. So then you, you started at at Troy's and then you, Mm -hmm. I think you've been a couple other, other places and, you know, we don't need to name names necessarily, but those three or four places between then and now, mm-hmm. do they bring you different experiences and you learn different aspects of it sure. in that? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, well, first I'll backtrack just a tiny bit. I did work at a bakery in Buffalo, New York that had beautiful little cakes, like very fancy little cakes. Um, I didn't make them. I just kind of was helping out here and there. Um but I always thought that they were just so beautiful and something that was really hard to do. Um, so when I started to do that for the first time now here in Starkville, um, I realized that I could actually do it. And, it. and it was still hard to do, but I was successful at it. So it really brought some great motivation um, for me to keep going with that. So, <clears throat> yes, I did work at some other places here in Starkville. Um not so much. I mean, one of them wasn't so much baking. That's what I applied for, but that's not what happened. Um, but it did kind of teach me a lot in this field, in this area still, but more like the managing part. Um, like just the skills you need to be in food service mm-hmm. from a different perspective. Of yeah. And which I already had, but baking's different. You know, when you place your order with ingredients, it's different than just, mm-hmm. you know, if you're cooking. So I learned a lot about that. Um, and just the flow of things and how efficiency like cooking as well, but baking, I think, I kind of think even more so. Um, but efficiency is such a major thing. I mean, you have to be efficient or else it's not going to be successful. Um, you know, I actually heard a story recently. I, um, 
I'm, I'm upset with myself because I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he's a guy that's been on Master Chef Baking or some some show like that. Yeah, he was telling me that, or I was in a, a program he was leading, and he was just talking about the simple thing of making biscuits, of how in the in the industry a lot of times you'll see them square mm-hmm. instead of round because when you cut them round, there's all this other totally. dough that's left over, and you can only reuse it once or twice before it becomes non-pliable or you know, doesn't make a good biscuit anymore. Definitely. So that just a little trick like that about food costs I didn't realize so I'm, I'm assuming that's the kind of thing that you're yeah that's about. one of the many yeah. sure um, waste we don't like waste um, so efficiency waste goes hand in hand um, yeah so I'll say a um, good example the biscuits um, you know so here uh, you have a circle or you have a square Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Again, I can't. And, and you did a different shape. <laughs> I did. Because <laughs> you I said, did. I don't want to be the same. I did. All with being efficient and no waste. So I came up with a triangle. <laughs> and awesome. it's cool. It's yeah. cool. Um, it's really cool looking. Um, I think it's beautiful. Uh, you can see the layers. And yeah, it's just neat. It's different. So And it's stuck. I think people really like it's It's our bee biscuit. So, oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So do you have a do you have a certain thing that you like to make? And when I thought about this question, I thought from two different perspectives. Is there a process that you enjoy or is there like a final product that maybe the process is killer, but the final product is such that it's worth it? Do you, does that even make sense? It, that- it makes total sense. Um, so, yes, um, to all of that, I, I have... So I'll say cakes first. Okay. Um, it's a process that proves to be a little stressful. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many ad, there's so many steps to this one thing that if one of those steps gets messed up somehow, that one thing doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of stressful, especially when you have a time you have to have it done by. Right. Um, People have birthdays on certain days. And that's the thing, birthday celebrations, you're doing this thing for a celebration. It has to be beautiful right. and it has to taste good. Mm-hmm. And so it does get a little stressful, um, but I still love that process. Um, again, I'm very confident in what I do and that came naturally. Um, I feel like I connect with baking so much that it just flows out for me. Um, but but I would say the cakes, more the final product, um, although I still, you kind of have to enjoy the process or else it's not going to work out. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And, and that whole that whole phrase, um, putting love into the food or else it's not going to be good. I, I do believe that. Um, not to be wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Or, or corny, but um, it's definitely proves to be true a lot of the time. You have to love it. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Your, I mean, this may be a word that's overused today, but you know, finding your passion sure. and putting that into what you do. And, and some some of us are able to do that and some of us are not. Right. Um, but that sounds kind of like what you're saying, that you do have a passion for it. And, yeah. and, you, and you need to have a passion for it because of all the efficiency and the 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 taste and the look and right. all the things that go into that. Well, you know, I think also um, for me personally, I'll speak for myself. I think that to not not be so concerned or worry about making a lot of money, uh-huh. being comfortable, but not getting rich mm-hmm. or rich quick. Um, 
you have to be a baker, you, you kind of have to have that mentality, <laughs> you know, and so therefore you have to love it because um, that's not what it's about. Right. And I, I was listening. I, I think I may have mentioned to you beforehand. I read or heard another interview of Christina Tosi, who has the, the milk bar mm-hmm. franchise. And she went from having one bakery, kind of like you trying to just figure out how many cookies can I sell mm-hmm. or do I have to sell to, yeah. to pay my people and to pay the rent and that sort of thing. Now she's got 16 locations across the country, 400 something employees, mail order business. I and mean, it's just multi million dollar. Uh, so that's just a whole nother. Can you see yourself uh, doing that one day? I mean, I can see myself. I, I, I feel like any of those challenges I, I can take on and I, I would be good at. My concern is not losing the quality of what yeah, I, I can't do. I can imagine how you would do that. Well, you know, and you, we, we talk about European bakeries. They're everywhere. They're on every corner and they're just amazing and they're not expensive. So how does that even happen? Uh-huh. Um, it's a obviously a different lifestyle out there that, that has been able to keep traditions and culture very strongly alive. Um, I don't think they have that consumer mentality like we do. Okay. Um, I don't think people want to just buy, 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 um, cheap, quick. I think it's more about still that, that passion, that love for what, um, decades of, of, you know, like family, it's all about family, um, passing on, you know, their cows or uh-huh. their crops, you know, I, I'm not saying we don't have that here, but it's different. I don't think Europe has, you know the factories like we do. The consumption is different, I think. It you know, is. My limited experience in Europe, I've, I've been to France, I've been to England, mm-hmm. and I know when we went to England, we had this tiny refrigerator. I'm like, how in the world can you live like this? And the reason is they don't shop for a, a week or two right. weeks and have freezers full of stuff and extra freezers in the garage like we do. Right. They buy for a day or two, they get it fresh, and then you know they go back and shop. And so it's more... Um, you know, they don't, you don't need all the preservatives. I mean, all that is right. there. Sure. But the general lifestyle. And then we lived in the Middle East for a while, too. And this is mm-hmm. kind of what made me think of that question about the bakeries in the U.S. versus other places. Because mm-hmm. even in the poorest, we lived in Yemen in the poor. I mean, it's one of the poorest countries out there. But every corner had a bakery. And some of that was because I think it was a, an inexpensive food. And mm-hmm. it, for those who are less fortunate, they could eat still bread. But even... Even the most wealthy still had bread right. as a part of the meal. But that bread, if you bought it in the morning, by the next day, it's hardly fit to eat. Right. Because uh, they're not preserving it and all that stuff. But it's very much a part of the daily yep. lifestyle. Yep. But I don't see that here. I don't see that here much. I think that's just so wonderfully beautiful because it's also supporting the local farmers and mm-hmm. the local, you know, people, um, the villages and, and just the people. And I think we lack that here. We've lost a lot of that along the way, um, for whatever reason. I mean, I could talk to you about that all day long. Right. Um, I, I think media is a huge thing where people read about all these diets we need to go on. And I don't think it's good for us. I think that the intent behind that isn't, hundred percent positive. I think there's kind of like maybe the intent being somebody making money (laughs) in some cases, um, you know, I'm not saying it's all bad or specifying anything in particular, but, 
I think that also getting back to just listening to our bodies and getting back to the basics and the simplicity of what goes into our bodies. Mm-hmm. We've lost a lot of that as well. And the ability to just say, Hey, I'm craving this. Um, I wonder why, Oh, there's why, mm-hmm. because I'm lacking something and, and being hydrated. I keep saying that, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have to be hydrated to be healthy and, Hardly any of us drink enough water. So it starts there. It starts with a simple thing and not wanting to just shove our mouths full of junk food. Whatever's there. Whatever's there. So one of the things I wanted to really kind of focus on today, because you're kind of known around here for your croissants. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the word croissant just to see if there's any kind of a background. And it actually got... um, the definition was, you know, flaky crescent shaped roll. Yeah. Uh, but then another place I noticed that they called it a part of the Vienna soiree. Yes. Which I'm sure I'm not saying that right. But apparently, even though we associate it with France and they've maybe perfected it, it actually came from Austria. That's right. Once upon a time. So just, you know, I saw a video the other day that y'all put out about how it takes you three days to make a croissant. So mm-hmm. kind of walk us through the croissant. And also there's different ones. I mean, I, I saw the picture from the weekend and you had four things on the tray all mm-hmm. called a croissant but they all look very different right. so kind of how do how do you look at croissants and uh we'll just dig deep into this one yeah thing. that's that's fun for me so this is another one of those things where um you have to love the process <laughs> um but that final result is where it's at um so yeah it does take three days um that's laminating the dough um, mainly. So you have to have laminated dough to make a croissant. Um, so yeah, so laminating to me means putting it in, putting an ID card in a plastic sheet and running it through a hot sure. machine. So tell me what, tell us what laminating uh, really is here. There's, there's a similarity there. Um, so you make the dough the first day you make the dough. Um, you put it in the, you, you portion it out into your batches and, I would say on a Wednesday, I'll make three batches, which is about 60 croissants. And then on the weekend, I'll do six, which is, you know, over a hundred croissants. So, um, but so when you, when you make your dough, you portion it out, you put it into a bowl, wrap it tightly and let it prove overnight in a, in a fridge, um, in a cooler. Um, when you, hopefully you'll get up the next day and it'll be twice the size, um, so I'll, I'll say this, what makes it twice the size for me in my croissants is a, a sourdough starter. Okay. Um, I do use a little bit of uh, active yeast, but like dry yeast, mm-hmm. just a little bit though, kind of like just in case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's that sourdough that really makes it um, puff up. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. When I try to bake, it always tells me, you know, put in a warm place for an hour and it'll be twice the size. It never is. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's interesting. Why, we that's, can talk about that. That's why I'm the geek and you're the nerd. <laughs> right. Well, when, you know, sometime I'll, we'll, we'll go over that okay. and see if we can help you out. Um, but so when you get up the next day, it's, it's twice the size and you take it out. Um, and you're getting ready to laminate it. So you take a block of butter and you take your rolling pin and you just smash it, smash it until it's malleable. Um, That's the butter? The butter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Beat the butter. Yes. Beat the butter. Um, get some aggression out. It's wonderful. <laughs> and um, then you kind of form it into a square of parchment paper. Um, once you get to that point and it's nice and even, 
you roll out your dough and you put the butter on the dough and fold it in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is your this is going to be your first fold. You're going to do three all together. So you're rolling out the dough and you're folding it three times, but each time you go, that gluten builds up and the dough gets stronger and starts to fight you and becomes almost like an elasticity to it. So you kind of have to, you have to take it slow. At the same time, when you're trying to do this and roll this thing out, the butter cannot melt. Okay. So it's it's a very kind of strange balance you have you know like a juggling act almost um, fighting fighting the dough fighting the time but if you look at it that way it won't work so you have to go with the dough mm-hmm. and with the time and then it usually works out and that's another sciencey thing mm-hmm. the temperature the, the, yeah. the state of okay so especially living here in Starkville it gets very humid. Um, and then it doesn't. <laughs> and so you just have to go with it. Right. Yeah. That love for doing what you're doing really has to be apparent at that point. Um, or else you'll get frustrated. And I'm sure experience as you feel, you know, li- literally with your hands, you're feeling how this is supposed to feel. And if it's not right, you'll know it. Oh yeah. Um, there's little things like even weighing out dough. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll cut it off the big piece and I know it's going to be right when I pick it up. That's from doing it over and over again. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to see. And, and when you're right, it's like, Oh, yay. <laughs> That's fun. Um, so yeah, uh, getting to know that dough is very important. Um, now I've been hand rolling my dough for seven years now. Um, croissant dough specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it really does make a difference. Like my wrists are starting to hurt, and okay. you know I am getting older, so that's a factor <laughs> as well. Um, so where the bakery that I run now, um, the owners bought a dough sheeter. Okay, and so it, it does it does make up a lot of time. Um, it, yeah, it goes a lot faster now, but. Not you still need those three days. Uh-huh. So the proving and and the letting it rest and all that still needs to happen, but it just really helps my hands and and my wrists and it makes things go a little bit smoother. It also makes that dough perfectly even. Right. So now each croissant is. It, I was pretty good at it before, but now it's really going to be the same size. Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool and it's fun to work with. Um, it's a new machine for me. It's a new toy. So. That's pretty fun. Um, But then the next, so so after the second day, after you um, fold and roll, you'll shape the dough into whatever croissant you want. Now, back to your question before, what's a croissant to me and and all these different kinds I do? I call them croissants because it's all of my laminated dough. Um, Some people would argue and say this one is a Danish um, just by appearance. Yeah. yeah, but it's kind of at the point for me where I feel like I can call it whatever I want. Um, and mm, I guess I kind of keep them all croissants because it's all that same dough from the same batch. Um, I think the people, the people kind of, it's easier for them to look at what I have and all the different things and say, these are the croissants. These are the special things you're coming here for today. Right. You know, um, instead of calling them all different 
things. I will I will point out the flavors, but they're all croissants to me. Okay, so it's more about the dough and the process of making the dough. I think it so. It just turns out to be a different shape than the than the crescent we, yeah. we picture when we hear that word. Yep, yep. So there's one um, called a morning bun that I make, and it's, it's... That's one of my favorites. Yeah, people like that one a lot. I like that one, too. Um, it's... It's the croissant dough, and I roll it up into like a cinnamon roll type of thing and put it in a muffin tin. Um, It looks like a cross between a muffin and a cinnamon roll, Um, but to me, it's still a croissant. Um, I think because of the time I've put into these things and... Um, the love I have for them, I can't, you know, I can kind of call them what I want. <laughs> I think you've earned that. Yeah, you've, you've definitely put the work in. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, just, let me ask you a couple of quick questions here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I prepared you for these. Um, do you have a, like, is there a celebrity baker or somebody, a chef that you kind of look at and, you know, you, you're maybe not as a specific mentor necessarily, but somebody that you like to follow. Yeah. Um, thankfully, um, Instagram has, yes. has been a good way to know these people and actually communicate with them and they respond and it doesn't feel like it's a computer responding or something. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's the actual person. Food people can be nice. I've, I've mm-hmm. learned that. Yeah. Well, um, you'd think, well, yeah. I think it's become a lot better. Um, people share more. They're not so worried about keeping those tricks and things to themselves. Um, kind of thing. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, but it, that's understandably so as well. Um, I will say Amanda Faber is one of my all-time favorites. She was on the Great American Baking Show. Okay. And one, although I've never seen it, I don't know how to watch the American versions. I only see the British. One only now. see the British, yeah. right? So she and this other um, great baker, Jeremiah Bills, um, they they were both on the same season of Great American Baking Show. And then when it was over, they started a podcast called Flower Hour. Um, and they are just amazing. Um, I, I heard about them and started listening to them. And they just... It resonated with me somehow. And so I started checking them out on Instagram and their style is so cool. They, they're very different from each other. Um, Amanda's very artsy with her cakes. It's it's like art, like a painting or beyond. Uh, um, I think I've seen some of hers. She's so cool. Um, Jeremiah is very um, raw with what he does. Okay. Um, and it's still just so beautiful. Um, very family oriented baker. Um, Bridget Ogre, I, I hope I'm saying her last name right. Um, she has Craft Cake CLT. Um, if you go to Instagram, you can check her out. She is a true artist. Her cakes are amazing. I, I just, I'm in awe with her. Um, and then with my croissants and that, and that type of baking that I do, um, on Instagram, there's the Tuscan Baker and then Dan the Baker. They're both doing amazing croissants. So. Okay. So I was going to ask you, since we're kind of a, one of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot is tech stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I think you may have just answered the question is, do you use, is there much use for tech in the kitchen? But at the very least, you're you're using you know social media right. to for ideas and, mm-hmm. and inspiration um i so since i didn't go to school um in in 
When I did have Troy at the at the bakery I worked at here in Starkville at the beginning, um, he kind of just threw me in. He was inspirational and and showed me a couple of things, but I pretty much had to figure it out for myself. Um, as much as he was a teacher, I was also like teaching myself. Um, so I do resort to Googling things and, and you know, and looking things up, but I don't want to become, um, robotic in any way with my baking. Um, I don't want to copy, like I said before, I'm, yeah. I try to be unique and I do have my own niche for sure. Um, so yeah, technology is definitely something that I use daily with my baking, but I, I try to separate myself from it as well. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, our time, unfortunately, is coming to a close. Okay. We are, uh, we, I feel like we could sit here another half an hour and yeah. still talk about croissants. I know. So I'm going to close real We'll just kind of kind of do a speed round. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you uh, two words and you choose and we take just a second to discuss it if you feel like you need to justify. So okay. here we go. Speed round. Biscuits or cornbread? Biscuits. Okay. You make biscuits. I've never seen you make cornbread. So right. I, that's right. Um, Love cornbread biscuits. Biscuits. Okay. Cake or pie? Cake. Okay. Again, I, you make cakes. I'm sure you make pies too. <laughs> I but. do make pies. Um, it's all about that art at the end, mm-hmm. you know, being able to express myself. All right. Chocolate or fruit? Oh, man. I'm just going to say chocolate, but that's a hard one chocolate yeah. i it, see both in your work yeah yeah it's pretty pretty but for personally if you're wanting a sweet chocolate or fruit chocolate <laughs> chocolate covered fruit maybe there you go that's it that's my answer <laughs> that's a good answer okay uh tortillas or pasta pasta okay see i was gonna ask mexican or italian would that be a different answer this well time? i am italian so oh, okay. but i do love mexican food but i'll say italian okay. i'll say pasta Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, surf or turf? Mm-hmm. Surf, 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. More fish than uh, than red meat? or? Um, I do love my red meat, but um, surf because um, I grew up in Massachusetts, like right on the ocean. And so I really love my seafood. <laughs> All right. And I'm just going to close with a quick story. You told me something that reminded me of this. When we lived in, in Yemen, my son was about two years old. Mm-hmm. And you were talking earlier about how cakes look versus they taste, how they taste. And in, in Yemen, they had a lot of beautiful cakes, but their their taste buds were different. Their their response to sugar, the way that they sweetened things was different. So you might see this beautiful cake and then take a bite of it and it just wasn't sweet like you thought. Or maybe it's got rose water you know, sure. it was just different, you know, but that, you know, that's okay. It was just different. We weren't mm-hmm. used to it. So we're in a bakery. Jacob's about two, maybe. And he's walking around and there's this beautiful cake that most likely was there for a wedding. Mm-hmm. And he's, we're letting him kind of wander freely and things are out. And we look over and there is a two finger swipe <laughs> <laughs> taken out of this cake. Nice. <laughs> that in the end was on Jacob's fingers uh-huh. and they were so polite. We, we, we felt terrible, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, they just said, I will, we'll fix it. Aw, it's but, really cute. Uh, but that was one of my first interactions with, uh, with fancy cake. Yes. Yes. Well, TJ, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was uh, this fun. has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and, um, just want to thank everybody for listening. And, uh, if you wouldn't mind, go to your, whatever platform you found this podcast and give us some stars Uh, Give us some comments. You can reach us on Instagram and the Twitter, uh, guys of a certain age. And as always, thank you for listening.